0: Hey guys, welcome back to Delving into the Cold. This is Dee. Um, a couple of announcements before we begin. Um, up on the podcast website, which as always will be le- linked. Sorry, in the description below, there are a couple of polls for Dark Happenings Month, which is coming up in October. Um, last year I had a really good time um, researching certain topics, and this year I thought that I would put it to a vote and kind of let you guys decide what we're going to talk about. So there are polls up there. They end August the 15th, so um, if you want to vote, you should go ahead and go on over and do that. Um, And, I mean, as always, you can email me any suggestions or whatever, but the official polls end August the 15th so that I can start researching and um, getting... Work done for October because it's going to be here before you know it. Um, Another thing, I have a new job, so um, the episodes may not be as regular as they have been. There may be a couple of weeks between episodes, I may be appearing on different days. It just kind of depends on what my schedule is. Um, I think that's all in the way of announcements, Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, uh, go and vote. I've already had some people, um, fill out the polls, and it's simple, it's, you know, please choose one, A or B, and it's, I think, five polls, because there's going to be, um, six episodes. Alright, so today we're going to talk about the Axeman of New Orleans, and I'm just going to read you a quote really quick, that was in a letter that he sent to, um, I believe, a newspaper, um, quote, they have never caught me and they never will, they have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the evilness surrounds your earth, I am not even a being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell, I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the accident. end quote. So that kind of goes ahead and gives you a clue um, to the type of gentleman that we are dealing with today. Um, and still to this day, people know this is, people in the so still kind of fear him. And um, you can see that he's kind of full of himself because he believes that he's, quote, a demon from the hottest hell. So um, I guess... I guess that he doesn't believe that he's a mere mortal. Um, this began in the late spring of 1918 and went to mid-autumn of 1919. Now, he butchered a total of 13 people, and he didn't care, um, if they were old or if they were young, if they were men or if they were women. He just didn't care as long as he could kill someone. Um... Some of the victims didn't die, but the majority of the victims did, um, unfortunately, succumb to their injuries. The first victims to, um, the man happened on May the 23rd, 1918, and they were Joseph and Catherine Magier. He slit their throats and bludgeoned them with an axe. Um... Something that people noted at the crime scene that was unusual was the fact that there were no valuables taken, but he did leave his bloodied clothes at the crime scene. Um, And unfortunately, this was just the beginning of the gruesome murders from this guy. Um, June the 27th of 1918 came the next attack. Lewis, Bessemer and Harriet Lowe um, were his next victims. Uh, they, abo- they both initially survived the attack. Unfortunately, Harriet died a few months later um, during, or I'm sorry, after a surgery to repair the damage that the accident had caused. Um, and there's seemingly no connection between Bessemer and Low and the Magiros. Um, and Bessemer was initially arrested for the attack himself. He was held for nine months before being tried and acquitted. And the evidence against Bessemer was weak at best and just absolutely, you know, um, ridiculous at worst. Uh, but the New Orleans police were desperate to catch a killer and calm public panic. So they did what they thought was best. They stuck it to who they thought they, um, Um, the next victim was Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant at the time. She was attacked on August the 5th, 1918. Um, she survived, and by just a complete miracle, delivered a healthy baby girl a few weeks later. Uh, which is amazing. Um, and this was the attack that led police to believe that the attacks may all be connected which led to another suspect being arrested and later released for lack of evidence so at this point they're taking note like yeah okay maybe these are connected maybe we should be looking um, for a different type of suspect five days later so on August the 10th 1918 the next attack came and um, it was a murder, the victim Joseph Romano did not die um, but this time there were witnesses um, the victim's nieces saw who they claimed to be a dark skinned, heavy set man in a dark suit and a slouchy hat um, and the girls were not the first to claim that the suspect or the perpetrator was not a Caucasian man Harriet Lowe, in fact, claimed to have seen a man of, um, mixed race commit her attack. So, obviously, this is, unfortunately, the South in the early 1900s, and there's always a lot of racism when we talk about that time period and that location, so just keep that in mind. Um like that, the attacks completely stopped until March the 10th of 1919. Charles, Rosie, and Mary Court Miglia were the next victims of the accident. Mary, who was the daughter, died as a result of the attack. Rosie blamed the attack on Barando and Frank Durando, her neighbors. So she insisted that she knew who perpetrators were and that they were, in fact, her neighbors. So the police arrested these um, guys. They were convicted, but Rosie later recanted her, t- her statement against them. And if I remember correctly, there was a bit of hostility between the two families, so that could have had something to do with it. Um, and it could be just, you know, she was bludgeoned. Maybe she just genuinely didn't know. Um, four days later, the Times-Picayune received a copy and paste style um, which claimed that there would be more victims if the city wasn't full of music on March the 19th. So this guy's like, if you don't fill every house in the city with jazz music, I will kill more people. And they did. They blasted jazz music out of every house, out of every bar, out of every store, everywhere there was music. Um, and there wasn't another victim until August which was only six months after the letter. Was sent. Steve Boca was the next victim. He was beaten on August the 10th but he survived. Then on September the 2nd, William Carson was the next attempted victim. But he refused to fall prey, so he actually chased the Axeman off and uh, fired a shot at the killer. So this guy was like, No, not today, son, not today. Um, unfortunately, uh, being shot at and chased did not stop the Axeman for very long because on the next day, which would be September the 3rd, 1919, um, he saw or he took another victim, Sarah Lawman. She was bludgeoned, but she survived the attack. The um axeman's final victim was Mike Pippitone, a father and a father of six and a husband, and unfortunately he was killed during the attack. Um unfortunately the axeman obviously has never been caught, but he did leave behind clues as well as a signature. Um just to kind of discuss that and explain what I mean by that, he usually entered the home via the back door. He typically used an axe or a hatchet that was already on the premises except for the first victims, in which he also used a straight razor. Um, and that led the police to initially suspect Joseph's brother, who was a barber. Um, another commonality between the attacks was that most of the victims were of Italian descent, leading to the possibility of a racially motivated killer. Again, racism, uh, heightened tension between uh, all nationalities back in the early 1900s. Uh, this, was in the mo- you know, this was in the middle uh, or to the end of the world one. Well, I can never say that. I'm so sorry. Um, so we don't really have anything in the way of suspects because all of the suspects that they initially had or had have, have been ruled out completely either by alibi or by evidence, or whatever you might want to say. Um, but whatever the motive, there's no doubt that the Axeman was a truly terrifying killer who traumatized and terrorized one of the most colorful cities in the country. And it's a shame, because New Orleans is one of those places that you never forget it if you are given a chance to go there. Um, and so, you know, I guess that... This case in particular makes you realize that the Axe Man was a monster, so that has to lead to the conclusion that all monsters are actually there, which is sad and scary. Um, he took sick pleasure in hurting others and it, you know, it just kind of leaves you with the thought in your head that you should never doubt the depravity of man. It's, it's scary to think that this guy, just for no apparent reason, went after this Alright, guys. That's all I have on the Axeman. Um. Unfortunately, like I said, there are no suspects. And it was so, um. The, case, the cases, I suppose you'd say, are so old that we don't really have much in the way of uh, physical evidence. It hasn't been preserved or whatever. So, um. We may never know, but there is no doubt that uh, people, generations from now, will still be hearing about him because he was just—he was a complete All right, guys, stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you next time.